Good morning. I want to welcome you, every one of you who are here. You know, as a, as a church, we are constantly reaching out to people that are from the community as well as from this area. This area. And as, as we do that, we find we don't know who's coming. But sometimes the ones who are coming are people who maybe may be a bit unruly, we have found. <laughs> <laughs> and so church is, is safe because we are a church that belongs to God, right? It's not safe because we select who will come to church. Amen? Because of that, some, that, some of you may find that, that as a result of that, you may feel a little unsafe with certain ones that may come and they may sit next to you or next to your child and you may feel that as a result of that, you feel a little bit strange. I want to put it to you that we have things in place to keep security. And uh, in particular, I want to uh, mention to you two gentlemen. They're trained in uh, Aikido, Kung Fu, Karate, Shotokan, as well as the, the other kinds. And they are armed to the hilt with the Holy Spirit. And they are Scott, as well as Gabe. See them if you feel uncomfortable. You, you do have an agency. There's a, there's, there's a situation that you're not comfortable with. You can move out of your seat. Yeah? And, and if you need to talk to them, do, 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 talk, do feel free to talk to them. And so I just want you to know that we are aware of the, uh, the, the fact that we are as a church, an open church. And as an open church, we welcome all those in need of Jesus. Amen? At the same time, we are, aware, we are aware and we are attentive to any kind of uncomfortability any of you may feel. And so feel free to um, let us know if there's anything you feel uncomfortable about. Now, having said that, I believe that you can feel comfortable now. And we shall pray. Lord, we ask you that even now, your presence will come upon us and breathe out the comfort of the Holy Spirit upon us. We thank you, Lord, for your word that says the angel encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. And so we rest in your goodness and we rest in your security to such an extent that we can love one another and to extend love. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is powerful and who is attentive to us. And so even now, we want to attend to you, Lord. Uh, train our minds towards you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I really want to bear witness with uh, some of the prophecies that have been, uh, been spoken today. And uh, it's very interesting that um, two weeks ago when I was speaking, I spoke about a word that the Lord had given me, I felt, for this period of time. And it had to do with the parable of the, 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 the farmer whose uh, tree, this fig tree, was unfruitful and was about to cut it down because it was encumbering the, the earth, the, the ground. And uh, the, the, the groundsman or the, the, the husbandman, the one who takes care of the trees, uh, actually said, give it, us, give it a year. Give it a year. Don't cut it down now. Give it a year. I'll dig up around it and I'll manure it. And the, um, the Jewish rabbis had this 
this phrase, dig and manure, dig and manure. You may want to say it together with me. Let's say one, two, three, dig and manure. Our lives will be about being dug and being manured. Dig and manure. Okay. I want to talk about that today because of the fact that I feel that I that in line with some of the words that have been spoken during worship, that there is a limited time. That is not because God has limited patience, but because of the fact that God knows what is about to take place. And the Lord does not absolutely intervene with nature, including human nature, all the time, right? All the time. That's why the, the universe is regular and we can actually trust the laws of physics. And because of that, we know that God has integrity and he has committed to the way in which he has made nature. Yeah? So we don't have a magical universe in which just because we believe in miracles or because we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will just kind of toss out all the, the rules of nature and, and uh, the rules of physics and, and he just turn everything upside down. No, he works within nature. And because of that, he works within the forces of history. Knowing that before even the... the the, these things happen. We sometimes call this predestination. He actually prepares us in view of what's about to take place. And what we talked, talked about a few weeks ago, and today what came out in prophecy, is that there is a, mount, a certain amount of time. And I mentioned two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, I believe it's two, three weeks ago, that we have time. And God has given us time. And God is preparing us. And we want to talk about that pre preparation because I believe that one of the things that God has given to us as a vision uh, as a church is the fact that we are to prepare a people for the days to come. So that the days that are to come, which, are, which seem to be getting darker and darker, will not be met by our surprise and our not being prepared for, but we are prepared for it. So that when the days of darkness come, we can say with Isaiah, with Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come. For darkness has covered the, the, the earth and deep darkness the people. Isn't that amazing? How God says the time of darkness is the time of your light. Your light has come, but you have to arise. Isn't that amazing? So we want to talk a little bit about that. And I would like to talk about the kingdom of God um, with respect to that in the same chapter that we were looking at, Luke chapter 13. So if you can turn with me to Luke chapter 13. Some of you may be looking at me strange. What do you mean turn to Luke chapter 13? I don't have any pages to turn. I only have it on my cell phone or, or it's up here. Well, there was a time in which day, years and years ago, uh, when I was younger, <laughs> that we used to bring our Bibles to church and we would actually turn pages. Luke chapter 13. I'm reading from the ESV. And we will actually uh, read verse 18 onwards. What he said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. So it's like a grain of mustard seed, very small, that a man took and sowed in his garden. I like the translation that uses the word cast, that cast it into the ground. Cast it to the ground. Another translation, I believe, is the NASB uses the word through, 
threw it to the ground. The idea in the Greek has to do with the fact that when it's cast to the ground, it's not cast to the ground um, randomly or callously. It is cast to the ground in such a way that you don't know what is going to happen to it. It's the same word that uh, Satan uh, said to Jesus when he said, cast yourself from the top of the, the, the temple, the pinnacle of the temple. Cast it down. The idea is that when you cast it down, you don't know what's going to happen. Maybe the angels will, will, will come and pick you up. The idea of casting is very, very crucial to the idea of the seed being cast. So he's saying, uh, cast it down. Now, I have in ESV sold. Sold. He sold it into the ground. Because the, the farmers of the, at the, those days, they sold by thro throwing the seed, scattering the seed onto the ground. There's a certain uh, element of un the unknown when the seed is scattered. The kingdom of God is like that. The kingdom of God is like that. Like it begins small, but it grows, grows, and it grows huge. And Jesus was speaking um, um, uh, in such a way that we understood that the kingdom of God seems very small at the beginning, but it is growing and is growing. Now, there's another element that is added to that, and that is the next part of the, the, the chapter that we're we are looking at. Verse 20. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God, the rulership of God, right? The rule, the reign, the active intervention of God, the, the way in which he, the word kingdom of God has to do with not just the reign of God, but the, so, sorry, the, the realm, not just the realm of God, not the space where he, this is his territory. It means actually the active rulership of God, the action of God, the way in which he, he, he rules as a king, right? Okay. That is, that is what is meant by the kingdom of God. The actual work of God, the judgments of God, the healing of God, the salvation of God, the deliverance of God, the righting of wrongs, the justice of God, yeah? the punishment of God even. Are we allowed to say that here? Okay. It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. And the idea here was the fact that the woman surreptitiously, unknown by anybody, unseen by anyone, took that which was very, very small, very unseen as well, and hid it. The idea of mystery is really there. For example, Mark chapter 4, verse 26, So is the kingdom of God like a man who casts seed into the ground. The kingdom of God is like that. There is a secretness of it. There's a certain unseenness about it. It's a certain way in which it's very small and then it has great effect. And if we don't understand that, we will wonder why sometimes we obey the Word of God and there's no results yet. We think that if, we, if, if, I could, if it's a matter of cause and effect, I do this and then I hammer this, it will go in a certain way like Newton's laws, right? That if I do this, then it will happen. If I obey the word of God, this will happen. If I do this, the, the Lord will bless me pretty much immediately. And what God is saying is this. The kingdom of God doesn't work that way. It is not God at our beck and call, even though he's present to us. He's, he, he will listen to us. He'll call. He'll, he'll answer us on the day that we call. But the effects of the kingdom of God, the, the rulership of God, the, the increasing maturity, the increase of power, his power and his dominion in our lives, in the lives of our loved ones, is something that is different. It's of a different nature. 
And what Jesus was basically saying is that the nature of spiritual things is like seed. It's like leaven. The nature of it is that the way in which it moves, the way in which it grows is of a different sort than just billiard balls that hit each other and then according to the laws of, of New, Newton, they will actually hit wherever they hit, they hit according to the way in which they have been hit. Okay? So what God is, what, what Jesus is saying is this, you, in, in, in order for us to understand and to be able to grow perhaps in that one year that's given to us or however limited amount of time it, there, there is, within that time, What's really important is that we understand the kingdom of God and we sow the seed or we, 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 we recognize or, or give um, discernment to the little unseen things in our lives. Because these unseen things are going to turn the tide in your life and my life in future. And so what Jesus is saying is this, the kingdom of God is like unto this. Yeah, It's like this. So let's read it again and then um, and, and with that understanding. Verse 18, he said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? How does God rule? How does God work? How does he move? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like a leaven that a woman took and hid. Hid, you know. She hid it in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. How does the effect of God's presence and His power take place in our lives? Right? How does it happen? With what motion? With what timing? With what pace? With what kind of dynamic is this happening? So Jesus is speaking about this today. And if we understand this, then... I would say, if we are immediate in our, in our obedience of God, we will be on time. We will be on time. But you've got to know that these things take time. And you don't want to be in a situation where the darkness comes and that things are just completely out of control all over the place, and you have not invested enough in the, your knowledge of God and in their relationship with God to such an extent that your faith is firm. You're unmovable. Yeah? So that's, that's, that's the, in, in essence, what we're going to be talking about today. All right? Um, if you look at uh, Psalm 97, I was just looking at this uh, today uh, as I was uh, seeking the Lord about today's message. There's a very strange... Um, Verse in verse 11 of Psalm 97, it says, Light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. How do you sow light? All my physics friends, can you tell me? How do you sow light? Is light like a seed or is light like a wave or is it a particle? It's, oh, I see it's a particle. <laughs> it's also a wave. But is light Light like a seed that can be sown. What the psalmist is basically saying is, is the light of God, the uncreated light of God, the light that is that dwells in God, that God is, can be sown. That He is all present. The Holy Spirit is all present. 
And yet there is a way in which he can increase in his uh, majesty in our lives. That's so amazing, isn't it? I understand that with, if he immediately shows himself and manifests himself in, in the moment, we will be completely destroyed. We wouldn't be able to take it. So I understand how God works slowly and gently with us. And there's a way in which it says, light is sown, that, that, that dynamic power of God is like, it grows by, by means, by, by analogy of seed. By analogy of seed. Light is sown for the righteous. Oh, I love that, right? It also says, though, in John chapter 12, verse, I believe, 11. John chapter 12. There were some people who wanted to see Jesus. And they came to the disciples. Verse 24, actually. Okay, verse 21, let's read from verse 21. There were these people who came up from the feast. They said to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for, those, for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What he's saying is that a seed by itself, it is small, but it abides alone if it does not fall into the ground and die. So you can glorify seeds all you want, but if it doesn't fall into the ground, it abides alone and it does not do anything. It can be very optimistic for us to think in terms of the fact that God will come to us and God put plant seeds in us and all that. And I agree with all that. But it, for all that is, that is true about what we just said, unless it falls into the ground, Jesus is saying, and dies, it will abide alone. A hundred years later, that seed is still there, just like a seed. It's unfruitful. But what he's saying is that there's something that happens that when it falls to the ground, when it dies, it will, what will it do? Uh, this is the exciting part. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This is amazing. What's what he's saying is that you will have such an anointing that where, where you are, things happen. <laughs> right? You'll just be there at the right, not right place at the right time. Have you found these people? They're like that, you know. My wife is often that way, like that. Yesterday I was just saying, how did you do it? How did you come at the right moment so that this person, who was not supposed to be there at that moment, came when this other person is there and they needed to meet together? This just happens all the time. It's just like it happens with boring regularity. I've already expected it. There is something about a seed that is just a seed unless something happens to it and the mystery of the kingdom of God pours into it 
and suddenly it becomes more than a seed. Isn't that amazing? The, the great thing about um, the Lord is that He's with us. He's with every part of us. He's with us when we are at home, and we are in church, we are with people that we like and we don't like, people that, we, that are dangerous or people who are safe. He is with us all the time. He's with our toes, with our toenails, He's with our scalp, He's with our balding head, He's with our clothes, He's with all the things, with our jewelry, He's with our, our hamburger, He's with everything that is, He covers all. It doesn't mean he's part of it, but he's present to it. He's attentive to it. Does that make sense? God is with it. He's with the seed. He's with the seed. But the seed does not necessarily bear fruit unless it has died. And when it dies, something special happens. When it is cast to the ground, something special happens to it. I want to talk about this because it seems like this light that grows, this power of God that grows, this kingdom of God that grows, the thing that makes us change from being just a, a seed that goes to something that's glorious and, and fruitful when He comes, something happens in between the two. Does that make sense? I want to be not just a person who remains and dies a seed. I want to become a fruitful plant, like a mustard tree. I want to be like the leaven that's put even secretly. Nobody can see it. Nobody can see it. Only those who have discernment, who understand the mysteries of the kingdom, can actually see it and, how, and see how it affects the whole lump. Yeah? Even though it comes in hidden. It's hidden so that only those with discernment can actually see it. I want to know these mysteries. Jesus called these mysteries of the kingdom the mysterion. The mysterion is not just the word mystery, like a mystery novel that you read where we don't know the answer, we don't know who done it, right? The word mysterion is used in a much more specific way. It has to do with initiation into some kind of supernatural dynamic, a secret dynamic, in which the rules and the dimensions of how things work are completely different from the natural. They cannot be discerned by logic. They cannot be discerned by, by observation. They are of their own dimension. So when Jesus speaks about the, the mystery of the kingdom of God, the mysterion, he's not talking about something that is mysterious because of the fact that it's, 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 uh, it's, um, it's uh, um, um, arcane. He's talking about something that has, is of a different dimension from what we are used to living in. The mystery religions were, 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 were religions that in the days of, of, of the apostles were, were empowered people to do certain spiritual things. Yeah? Yeah, so most, a lot of them are de demonic. But the, the, the word mysterion for these mystery religions was taken up by Luke and, and the gospel writers. And they used that because each of these things had a certain right of, each of them had rights of initiation. And the rites of initiation inevitably involves a certain ritual that portrays death. You are dead to your old self. Okay? To enter into the mysterion, mysterion of God, you have to die to your old self. And you cannot be anything but a new person 
committed to that, that mystery on that mystery of God. And what Jesus is speaking about is how we can actually enter into it. Amen? Okay. So this is this is something. It's mysterious, but it's more importantly, it is it has something to do with a whole different substance of things. And it's hidden. At the same time, in Matthew, we see Jesus says, you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So actually God has it for us. Amen? Even though it may be mysterious to us, he still has it for us. And because it's mysterious, you have to pay a lot of attention. You have to be very humble. You have to enter into the kingdom of God um, like a child. Because other faculties other than our smartness and our logic are in play now. That is why a person can be used by God who has had no education or who's even uh, got mental health problems, developmental problems, can still be used by God. Yeah. How many of you read uh, Dostoevsky's The Idiot? The Idiot? So he, he this this Dostoevsky was a very deep spiritual person, and he could understand that there were ways in which the wisdom could be manifested by this person who's an idiot. And I use the word in not a derogatory way, but in the technical way, where a person who is not fully aware of what's going on outside. Yeah. So, so let's talk about it. The mysteries of the kingdom of God. Let me begin with a, with a, a, a recent incident. Um, we just came back from um, our daughter's graduation. And uh, on, on Sunday after we, we went to church, um, Zephi's church, uh, we wanted to take pictures. Yeah, we wanted to take pictures. So we decided we'll stay, stay on and we'll take pictures outside the church. Beautiful church and all that. And Elisa and I were there taking pictures of the family. We were taking the pictures of exactly the same thing in exactly the same amount of time. Okay, it was about four minutes, maybe four minutes. So I was taking pictures with my snazzy iPhone 8 Plus. And she had a better phone. Not that much better. I don't see any much, anything much better. She was taking the same. So she would take and I would take and she would take and I would take. And within that four, that four minutes, we took pictures. I took considerably, considerably more pictures than she did. Then I looked at my pictures. My pictures look like crap. They look completely pedestrian. All the members who, 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 are, who are in the picture, members of the family and the church, did not look great. They look absolutely like mud in my pictures. Okay, in my pictures. Then I looked at the Lisa's pictures. Wow, they look fantastic. What? We were exactly in the same spot taking the same people within the same four-minute frame, and her pictures looked amazing. 
Just amazing. And I said, how's that possible? We have this, we're standing in the same place, more or less the same camera, and your pictures look like everybody is doing different things. She had, the, within that four minutes, all the family doing different things than my pictures, which were taken in the same four minutes. And not only that, they look much better. Mysterious, right? It's mysterious. Now, I will put it to you that actually it was mysterious, the difference, because of the fact that within that inner space, she discerned things better than I did. She has a better eye for this. This is always true in, in, in camera work. She has a better eye than I do. We have the same eyes, you know, the same, same eyes. You know, the same protoplasm and the same, same cells. But she sees different things within the same space of time. Within that, inner, that space, there's an inner space that allows her to see different reality. Like leaven, hidden. Does that make sense? And so sometimes we can, we can see the same thing happen. We pray for the same people. We're in the same land. We're in the same situation. And we just get different results from the other people as well. And somehow, God seems to bless some people and not others. And it's not because He's unfair or He's unjust, but because of the fact that they see something of a mystery that we just don't, we're not in. We're not in on. I used to be extremely um, um, frustrated when I went to this church that, 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 that I, I joined, and everybody could hear from God. And they had things that were so specific and so accurate down to the last detail. And for me, I, I was in the same prayer meeting, singing the same songs, louder than them too. But I didn't see that. We can be in the same place, that the same thing. We can be the same seed. But some seeds have died and some, some have not been cast down to the ground. I, I'm beginning to believe that this, how it's cast down is very important. How it's cast into the ground is extremely important uh, in order for, for us to understand the way in which the kingdom of God takes place. I will put it to you that what Jesus was saying is this, when he said, unless it falls into the ground and die, it abides alone. He was saying, there's something that happens in the ground. There's something that happens in the casting that causes a transformation to take place in us as far as God is concerned. What say you? I'm not convinced by people who tell me that this person is not changed, this person is, has brokenness and all that because they come from a bad background all the time. I'm not convinced. I'm not blaming. I'm just saying, I don't think that explains everything. Because I have seen people who come from the, the most devastating, the most murderous, the most abusive of backgrounds, and I've seen them transform. The kind of health that they have is better than I have. The health that I have, the mental health that I have, coming from a very, very good family, I must say. I've seen people healthier more, more calm, more joyful, more able to move with the roll with the punches and all that, who come from terrible backgrounds than me. 
I've seen that. I believe that there is truth in that, but that truth is not absolute. There's a more absolute thing that's, that's going on that is important for us to understand in order for us to have hope that whether I progress or not is not based upon my history. Not all. Not always. Not, not completely. There is something else that's going on, and that is called the Mysterion. And he says, this man casts his seed into the ground. And as he casts his seed into the ground, something happens. You know, the word cast is seen a lot in the Bible. Remember, we were talking, uh, it came up in worship where Jesus said to the disciples, cast your nets onto the other side, even though they had not caught any fish after they, they cast, they, um, they, they fished all night. And he says, cast it on the other side. And Peter is saying, I'm a fisherman, you're a carpenter, you're telling me, a carpenter, you're telling me that I, how to fish. But at your word, I will do it. So at, at, at his word, he casts. I wonder whether casting has to do with obeying God's word, right? At your word, I'll cast it. And they caught the fish to such an extent that the, the nets broke. Peter says, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Amen? Wow. Cast. He's not saying, cast and then just, just do that and then you'll be relieved of your, your, your pain. He's saying something is going to take place. If I understand what, what, what he's saying, he's not saying, do that as good therapy. I think, I'm sure, I'm sure it's good therapy. But he, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, cast your cares upon him for he careth. And there's a lot that goes into that caring, right? He'll protect you, he'll heal you, he'll touch you, he'll change the way in which you feel, he will provide for you, he will do all the things that you need, all the things that are missing, he will provide for you, for he careth for you. Something happens in the casting. Something happens in the casting. You know? Uh, Psalm, uh, Psalm 55 says, um, after the, there's a whole litany of, of woes and laments, and the, the psalmist says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. I will put it to you that sustaining, God sustaining us involves a lot of things that he does. Mysterious, mysterious things. And he will sustain you. He will not let your foot be moved. Casting. So there are many of us who are actually in need of casting, not just so that our problems will be solved, but so that we will experience transformation. So that it will not just be a seed that can go... That's no good. That's a seed. But that seed has not been transformed. That seed has not been cast. That seed has not, has not been sown yet. And for not being sown, the donkeys could come home and still it would not be changed, even though it is a seed. Let's have a look at this. We are told that when Christ died on the cross, 
took upon himself all our sins and our sorrows, our griefs, and exchanged our old life with his life. Yeah? He put the seed of Christ, 1 Peter, into us. Right? He put the seed of Christ into us so that we will like, manifest his nature and not our fierce nature. Right? In the Old Testament, a lot of it, of the Old Testament talks about how the God is imminent. That means he's present to us in all our, even the most absurdest things in our life. Okay? Everything, everything of our life he's present to. In the New Testament, the shift is that he's not only present here, but he's in us now. He's taken out of our old nature and put in a new nature. So that the seed is of a different nature. Right? He took out the seed of Adam and he put the seed of Christ inside us. You and I, whether you feel it or not, have the seed of Christ. Amen. But that seed of Christ, unless it is cast down and given back to him, as we saw in, in the worship, it will abide alone. It is possible for many Christians to be completely untransformed, even though all the nature of Christ, all the seed of Christ is inside them. True? You could withhold your seed and you say, I don't want to cast it down. I don't want, the, I, I don't want it to go into the ground. Yeah? I can, you can hold on to it and control it. Casting has to do with losing control or actually giving up control. The idea of casting is that once it comes out of your hand, you cannot do anything to it. It has to get out of your hand. Right? When you cast the seed down, it has to leave your hand. You can't sort of cast and hold on to the seed. True? Yeah. The whole idea of casting is when, like Satan said to Jesus, you cast yourself from the temple. What Satan was saying is that you have to lose control of your life. He's saying that to Jesus. You have to lose control and see what God does. That's the word cast. Right? Cast. And what God is saying is, is yes, you have to let it go. Let your life go from your hand. And then it will cause much. Then the mystery of the kingdom will start ha happening to you. It is possible for us to read the Bible, follow the Bible, do all those things that the Bible says, and still have our lives still clasped rather than cast. Does that make sense? It's still possible to do that. And that's why many Christians who have a lot of things to, 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 to help to support them find often that they, they have an okay life. It's all under control. Everything's all under control. But they don't see the miracles of God. They don't see the things of the kingdom of God in their life because they can go, whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah? They can hold on to it. And everything of their action, from here to here to here to here to here, you can write books about all their Christian life from there. From here to here to here to here. And then, uh, is, that, is that right? I know that. I'm like that too. You've got to let it leave. You've got to let, let it leave your hand. And in order for that to happen, you have to let the seed fall into the ground and die. Then it will bear much fruit. And I realize that there is something about that that I had to see in my own life in order for me to experience the wonders of God. All right, until, until that happened, everything that happens in my life 
every blessing could be explained by natural means. Because I was doing it unto myself. Yeah. Okay, let's have a look at this. Let's go, let's go into it deeper. It says here, there is an element of the unseen uh, in, this, in the smallness of the leaven. And there's an element of the unseen even in the burying of the seed into the ground. So we, first, the first thing we, we begin to see is this. God is actually going to do works in our lives. But you have to be able to hang with the unseenness of it. When you are faced with unseen things, you cannot use then your eyes to discern them. You cannot use logic to discern them. You have to use your spirit. Now, the great thing is that when Jesus came to our lives, he he activated our spirit. Our spirit is that part of us in us that's supernatural, that interfaces with God. You have a spirit. In fact, you are a spirit. I'm a spirit as well. Before you're a Christian, you're not aware of that spirit because the spirit is not your emotions. It's not your mind. It's not your will. It is the thing of God in that that is so deep in you that it can't be really detected. So when you say live in the spirit, you're not talking about living in your emotions or your feelings or your, your thoughts. You're talking about something living in the mystery that you cannot see. Yeah? Okay? When that happens, we begin to realize that we have been living all our lives according to the flesh, according to our soul, our mind, our emotions, our logic, and what, what can be calculable. Yeah? We, we live according to that then sometimes what God does is that He puts us into situations that we have no control over. And when we are put into situations in which we have no control over, like somebody is sick, somebody in the family, is life is, is threatened, or something is, some, some disaster is about to happen, we immediately go back into our flesh so that we can find assurances that things are going to be okay. Does that make sense? Yeah? When God brings us into situations like that, He wants us to cast our cares upon Him and trust in Him. Right? Trust in Him. Now, what we do is that we flail about for certitude. We flail about to people, doctors and all, who can get, assure us and say, it's actually, the chances are at least 70% that you're going to be okay. Or you are you flare around to people who say, I think you're going to pass your exam. Or that the finance, financial situation in the country is going to be okay. You flare around to these places, right? Now, I had a way of flailing around to certainty. I would ask God for a word. And every time I was uncertain, I would ask God for a word. And I believe that we should do that. That's, that's really good because God can give us a word. But at a certain point, I realized that I was wanting certainty from that word. Because I know God to be a God of His word. So if God is a God of His word and He gives me a word that I'm going to be okay, then I'm going to be okay because God is a God of His word. See the logic? You see the logic? That's how we get certain, right? That is good. It's not bad. It's not bad. Okay, so don't look at me as if I've changed my whole theology. No. But 
When God says you cast the seed to the ground and we trust in him, yeah, casting all your cares on him, for he careth for you. Yeah? Trust in him. What he means is this. You don't even use that as a way of being certain. That is not the way you are certain. You can only experience a firming up of your faith when you face the uncertainty. And when you face the uncertainty, you don't try to find a certain thing. You expose yourself. You let your life leave your hand. And you say, you are a God of your word. You can be trusted. Now I'll see whether you can be trusted or not. Instead of these nearby ways in which we can try to find certitude, what God is saying is, I want you to trust me. And I found that with me, with going through tests, medical tests and all that, I came to this situation that whenever I hit the moment in which I have to go for another scan, another PET scan, another kind of MRI, another blood test, another kind of... I, don't, I found I've held the same emotions as I had way, way back then. The same kind of trepidation, same kind of fear, same kind of whatever it is. And I knew something was wrong. Because I was flailing about for something that could be certain that would allow me to be, to be sure that it's going to be okay. The test is going to be okay. And I felt the Lord was giving me this word in, in Psalm 55. He says, cast your cares. Cast your cares upon him. That's it. The immediate question I had was, this, if I cast it upon you, what's going to happen? True? And I cast it upon you, what are you going to do? Immediately what came out of my mind would be all the bad news that I heard from other people. Because if it happened to them, it could happen to me. But God was saying, I want you to test me now. Prove me now. Prove me now if I do not open the heavens and, 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 and pour you out a blessing. Prove me now if I am what kind of God am I. You must know firsthand what kind of God I am. You cannot hide between all the certitudes that, 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 that are there that you can put up that give you better statistics, better chances, better assurances. You have to know whether I'm really a God who lets you down or it's not. In that way, your seed must leave your hand and it must be cast to the ground. And when that happens, you die to all the ways in which you try to assure yourself. You cannot, you cannot depend upon any of these assurances. You you can, you, I mean, you can, you can live a life. But what God wants is for you, for Him, for us to know Him personally. You're not excited? That God wants us to know that we can trust Him whether we get a word or not. Whether we got a prophecy or not. Whether you came up for prayer or not. You can trust Him because there is something in you that's been developed within you that cleaves to Him. It's of the same shape, that is shaped in such a way that. It's all consonant, congruent. Does it make sense? Now, I found that in this place, when I'm in, in that situation, I have to learn that trust is something that doesn't just come 
in a facile way, as I just trust Him. You know how people say, just trust God, trust God. I don't know what they mean. To me, trusting God means to enter into the darkness. Because with no assurance, no other, no empirical evidence, I have to say, well, let's see whether you can be trusted or not. Don't you find that? When somebody says trust, they are saying, you have to know for yourself whether God can be trusted or not. Oh, if that is the case, that's a different matter, right? I have to trust whether he's going to heal my father or not when he had cancer. He had, by the way, he had prostate cancer. I had to, I had to trust him when he went through radiation. He came back one day uh, from, from the cause of radiation and the doctors told him the PSA has not gone down. And I saw him coming to the house. Cindy and I were there and my mom was there and, and he was... I could see he was concerned. He was very quiet, very but very concerned. And he had at that time, all of us had at that time, all kinds of suggestions. Let's try Chinese medicine. Let's try this other thing. Try this new experimental kind of thing. And I saw him just, just say, we have already prayed. We have entrusted our lives to God. I'm going to stay the cause and go with this doctor. Now, I'm not saying that that's necessarily the cause of treatment for you if you are having any kind of sickness, but he's saying, I saw something in the midst of the trepidation, certain firmness there. And I knew that he had walked with God through many, many uncertainties, his PhD in London, and all, all, all the kinds of things that we as a family had gone through. And I realized that he trusted God. He trusted God to such an extent that when God, when he looked to God, if I may call it the shape of God's presence, found a place in him that was shaped appropriately for it. So that there was a resonance that was happening. I realized that what God wants to do in the kingdom of God is to cause us to actually have trust. Amen. Let's trust them. Get a word from God by all means, because that will help. Because what that, what getting a word, has, with respect to all the different uncertainties that we experience, is important because what it does is it helps us to have a handle on God. So that Paul, when uh, he was facing shipwreck, he could tell the people who were panicking like crazy, able seamen, experienced and seasoned seamen, I believe God. I believe God. What he's saying is that the shape of his soul and the shape of how God comes comes together. Amen? Now there are ways in which as God is preparing us for the days to come, we will be called to sow into the things that God has for us. Yeah, into things that God has for us. Um, I remember when we were about to get married. We were going to have a, a wedding which we were going to have to cater for 1,300 people from all over the country, plus uh, some from America and other places, Australia and all that. And about six months before that, the Lord had spoken to my partners in ministry. I think it's the Lord, but he had definitely spoken to me that I should live by faith. So six months before that wedding, I gave up my salary because the church was in financial need. The church that was, uh, 
uh, involved with. And because there was in financial in, in, in financial need, my partners and I decided to go by faith, and we knew that the wedding was coming coming up. And it was in this place that I was faced with this situation in which I could easily have told my partners, no, this is really unreasonable for you to expect me to live by faith. You guys live by faith. Go, go for it. If God has spoken to you, let him spoke to you. But the Lord spoke to me. And so I gave up my salary and uh, we went and, and we continued preparing for the wedding. And as we prepared for the wedding, I realized that the Lord was wanting to show me how much he can be trusted. And that is how the Bible talks about it. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. This happens in finance. I believe you're going to experience financial shaking in a tremendous way. All the financial institutions that we have relied upon for our, our sustenance, I don't know about them. I don't know about them, but I know about God. I've walked with him for 40, 40 odd years, 40, 50 years, and I know that he can be trusted. And I know that when I, when, when I, when I um, put my money into his kingdom, he will cause it to multiply in some way. I don't know how. It's a mystery. It's not a, 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 a kind of a, a cause and effect thing, but he will do something. Does that make sense? And I realized that when, I, when we came to America, we had no salary because we were just starting the church. And now I was no longer just by myself. It was one thing to, to live by, my, by faith by myself. But I, now I was married. And I remember not having enough money to buy an ironing board. And we were going up to our apartment. And there's, you know, in the apartments, they have these chutes where you just dump your rubbish or is your, your trash on it. And we were praying for this. And as we passed by, holy majoli. <laughs> is that how you say it here? Holy majoli. Sticking out of that thing was, yeah, was an ironing board. It was kind of crooked, but it was, it was there. And I just thought, I praise God that I can praise God. I praise God that I don't have to be bitter about the fact that I could, that, 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 that I have to picking up something. Of course, I waited for nobody to be around. And I, <laughs> but that, that, that's the way. God is training us. And that is why He speaks to His people. And He says, bring the tithe into the, in, the, in the storehouse. And see that there will be meat in my house. And see if not, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. That's just, that's, just, that's just basic Old Testament stuff. In the New Testament, we see that the, ch the church in, uh, in Macedonia and, and Archaea um, gave out of their poverty. And they gave to the church of Jerusalem. And they gave to the church of Jerusalem that had marginalized them. The church in Jerusalem, mainly Jews, they said, no, these people are not, they are not circumcised. They, are not, they, they haven't gone through all the hoops. But the church in Macedonia and Achaia saw that there was famine and they gave, and Paul says in 2 Corinthians, beyond their means. Because 
they knew in their spirit, in this mysterious of things, that God would supply to them more. Amen? In fin- that's in finance. In relationships, there are constantly times in which God calls us to forgive and to, and to show love and to start again. But our relationships are based on history, right? If I have a history with you, I will bring my history upon the present in terms of how I relate to you. Isn't that right? That's not unwise. That's actually not, 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 not necessarily a bad thing. But there is a way in which for the dynamic of love to actually happen, you have to forgive. Forgive means to not hold it an account against that. That is what Paul said to, um, um, to Philemon with respect to Onesimus, who had cheated him and run away. He could come to, to him and says, rub out the accounts. Rub out the accounts on account of me. Onesimus, uh, historians have found, became a bishop later on, who was a runaway slave. But Philemon did not allow the visibility of history to stop him from sowing into Onesimus' life. Amen? In every relationship, you're going to have history. And history is things that really happen. But only a God can remove history. Only a God can compensate for history to such an extent that there is healing, not only healing, by, by, and I don't mean the process of healing, I mean the fact that there is healing in God, in this mysterious way in which God actually does that. You can enter into the mysterium by letting it go. Amen? In terms of learning things, there's a, it's, 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 a, it's, it's the same way. You sow into it. You sow into it. Now, I've got to tell you, here's, a, here's an example. I don't know whether it's uh, helpful, helpful for you. Um, I used to be really interested in music, very, very interested in music. But for some reason, I felt the Lord was, was uh, just turning me somewhere else. Yeah? And so over the years, many years, I have not played music, practiced music, as many of you can see. But um, there's a way in which I still love music, especially jazz. Now, jazz is something I could not get into because it's too brilliant for me. It's too nuanced. It's just too complex for me. But I felt the Lord say, you give this up, and I want to teach you. Whether that is actually true or not is a different matter. But I began to to say, okay, I'm going to start. And there was one particular song that I have always loved. It's composed by Paul Simon. It's it's called Still Crazy After All These Years. How many of you know that song? Still Crazy After All These Years? Okay. I don't recommend the the words, but the music is delectable. It's it's just amazing. The chord work, the passing chords, all all these things. It's amazing. I thought, if I can get to start with that song, it will be great. If I learn nothing else, if I can learn the chord work and how to hear, listen to that song, it will be amazing. For you to really appreciate it, you have to go back and listen to it, okay? That's your homework. No, no, no. It's still crazy after all these years. Chords are so amazing. They're so amazing. But but I felt so beyond me to, to hear and to be able to listen. And so I, you know, I did what a lot of people do. I went to the YouTube thing and just 
listen to how people actually transcribe it and transpose it and actually play it. Note by note, note by note, note by note. It took me a long time <laughs> to do that. But I realized that if I can just sow into that, something will happen to my feel. I will own those chords. I will know those chords and I will feel those chords and I will know how to use those chords. Yeah? You know that? <laughs> and so I, I began to invest in that. I invested many nights in that. Days as well. When I wasn't doing it, when I wasn't praying or preparing or doing work or all that, I would just listen to that. Just listen, listen, listen. Until I could get it in. And something happens somewhere along the way when you sow into it, in a mystery, something transforms inside you. And you get those chords. Not just that you can play it by looking at the notes, uh, looking at the, the, the manuscript, but you, can, you get the feel of it. And you get to know that chord in such a way that you can take that chord with you and that chord talks back to you. And you hear it all the time. And you can play a hymn or you can play something else and the chord comes up. And it talks back to you and says, hey, you want to use me? I fit there. I fit there. Oh, you never have guessed. Oh, yeah, I fit there. All these, these flat nines and elevens and thirteens and plus five, minus five, whatever. You play, and when you invest in that relationship with that chord, that chord will come up and say, me, 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 me. So you don't just play because you can play, you've got the music and all that. That's, not, that, that's mechanical. It's not, not invalid, but it's mechanical. But when you actually develop a relationship with that chord, that chord comes and tells you, I can also do this. See, I can fit here as well. And then I can partner with that other, and she can help me doing this, and, and we can do a passing chord. Right? In learning... You want to invest. You want to give. You can you invest your time. You invest your energy in your, into it. But you do it in such a way, and this is what I learned, as if you don't know anything. And as if that's the only thing in front of you. Sowing into it does not mean multitasking and doing this among, among other things. It is actually sowing and giving your whole heart to it. For thou art great, Psalm 86 says, and doeth wondrous thing. For thou art God alone. All nations will come and worship before you because you are great and do that wondrous thing. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth, inside your truth, right? It means I'm committed, I'm, I'm covenanted, I'm, I've, I've cut off and died to everything else. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart to fear your name. Give me a single heart to fear your name. Sowing is not a multitasked thing. He becomes the sole thing in your life. Amen? And I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. In prayer, it's the same thing. How do we develop a listening ear so that when in prayer, we don't just have, you know, prayers out, Pray to God, and then what comes back is the same prayer that we pray to God. We just hear it again, the echo back to us. 
how do we pray and enter into the Spirit in such a way that when we enter in, we give up our minds, we give up our perceptions, and we flow in the Spirit, we pray in the Spirit, and allow the Spirit to take us, and our mind begins to be open to other things that come, come, comes to us. Praying involves a dying too. I don't mean by praying, praying the things we already know. That one God already knows too, right? He knows what we are praying. We know what we are praying. And for some Christians, their prayer is like, I just tell God what He knows, I hear what I pray, and that's all. That's the only information that goes. Prayer that I know about, that He knows about, I hear, I hear myself praying it, and it comes back to me. I don't hear anything else other than that. Praying in the Spirit is a sowing because what you do is that you are you're coming off the grid of your mind, yeah, of your logic, logical, observational mind, and you're saying, Whew, I'm in with you, Lord. Unless you show me something, I can't see anything. But as you pray in the Spirit and you set your mind towards God, things begin to come back. Then you begin to have words of knowledge, begin to have prophecies begin to develop. It doesn't happen immediately, but it happens slowly, like sea. Like sea. Now, why don't we have an ambition to hear from God accurately? I mean, sharply. Why not? Why not? Since God has given to us Himself, right? Why can't we just pray for accurate, very specific words of knowledge, right? Why not? Tell, tell me, tell me. We've been around, we've been friends for a long time. Why do we still stay in the same place? You think that's all that God has for us? That we can see a few, a few kind of pictures here and there? Is that, is that all? That's good. And for you, if, you, if you're spiritually young, that is excellent. But if you've been donkey years as a Christian, you've been 30, 40, 40 years in Christian, you're still at that level i got to ask you, is that all God has for you? Is that why, is this, is this all that all this we do with church and all that is all about? Is, is, that, is, that, what, is that what it comes to? That all this suffering and all the, this business that happened to, 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 to bring about VC, VC, VCF, is this what it is? I don't think so. So, so into it, so into it. Because God can call this sharpness. Sharpness, you know? Now, I have not hit where I want to be, but I saw glimpses of it, you know, glimpses of, glimpses of it. One day I was uh, at a, in a mission trip, and I took taken my briefcase. Those years, those, day, those days, I used to walk around with a brief, briefcase, would you believe it? And it had this, this had this combination lock. My pastor's son, who was very, very young and very, very naughty, reset my my briefcase lock, and I had all my notes. And I, didn't, and I arrived at this place and uh, couldn't open my bag. And these were not notes that I was not that familiar with. And so I was no choice. I had to pray. <laughs> Lord, what is it? What is it? I tried about 10 times randomly. And then the Holy Spirit said, Prayer is not just you talking to me. And then I, by some random thing, cause your finger, your thumb to actually move on to the right number. 
which is what I was expecting. How about I tell you what number it is? So I just, okay. Immediately, 401 came. I turned to it. The, the, the thing opened. 401. I went back to him, Elijah, you. <laughs> 401. And he immediately was, the Chinese use the word chua. Chua means like shocked. Wow, God is real. He said, God was real. It can happen. It can happen. God has so much more for us. If a, if a, a seed falls to the ground and dies, it will bear much fruit. Amen? If not, it'll just be in relationship with our children as well. There are going to be times in which we will tell our children things that they don't seem to be listening to. They're just not into it at all. But if you're sowing a seed of truth and of goodness and of the Word of God into them prayerfully, then what happens is that that action becomes an action that is God, um, God-filled. Two people can tell the same child the same thing. One may be doing it just unto the child, and another may be doing it with the Lord in mind. And the difference will be, in, will be infinite. But sowing, whatever the case may be, is something that we find ourselves very much um, discouraged from doing because we don't see immediate results. We tell our children something and they just don't even listen. Then when they become teenagers, they don't even look. Before long, they don't even stay in the same room when you're telling them things. Your kids may be young and very cute and saying Jesus this, Jesus that everywhere. But don't, don't, be, don't be mistaken. There will come a time in which they will not even want to hear about it. But that's where you are sowing. Because you're sowing in faith. You're, not, you're sowing in hope. Not because you, you, you believe there's an encouraging response to them, but because you're sowing unto God. And once it leaves your hand, it's not within your power to control their response. You can't control them. When they grow up, you cannot control their response. Because if you do, that would be totally inappropriate. They're adults already. <laughs> okay, don't forget, all right? All those of you who are Asian, you've got to know that. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, no, not sorry. <laughs> that happens. I had, a, I, had a, I had a member in my church, and she said her mother told her, and she was in her, in her early 30s, so, until you get married, even if you, even if you, if you are staying in my house, you have to do exactly everything that you that I tell you to, or else I will slap you. She got married really fast after that. But what I, what I'm saying is this: the sowing is a sowing in which we don't retain control. We don't take the seed and we put our and and, and we we actually put our hand on the ground and and keep our hands in the ground over the seed until it grows. No, you don't. Neither do you keep on op- opening up the ground and seeing. Anything happening? Anything happening? I'm apt to do that. <laughs> but that, that's something that can happen with us. You let it leave, leave your hand. But you do it unto the Lord. And I have found when, when my kids were, when one of my kids I'm talking about, she was about 13. Okay, so she was 13. And she has this way of when I'm telling, telling her things, she'll be completely pan-faced. But one day I, was, I watched her and she was on the phone 
counseling her friend. And she was telling her all the things that I told her. <laughs> but with much more wisdom and articulation. Because the seed had grown. It was better than what it was when it was, 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 uh, was, uh, was put on, right? And so I want to put it to you that actually this is something that um, we can all and we must all get into quickly. Last point. Do not be discouraged when you don't see results immediately because the nature of the case, the nature of the seed is that it is it's planted into the ground and it takes time to grow. Yeah. So many times we, we give up on the word of God because we don't think it's working. After how long? Five days? Six days? There are things that can happen only after a long time. Sometimes you have to give it time to grow. That's why you start now. In case it's too late, we have a year, I believe. Maybe we have a year, but there's enough time. Amen. So the I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna end. I was um, surprised to to receive an email from a friend of mine, um, a member of my former member of my church. I remember I was maybe about 23 or 24, and he was a businessman. Um, drove a beautiful car, I won't tell you what, what car it was, but he was a very successful man, a man of the world, yeah? and he became a Christian. He had two kids, and I was 23, 24, 23, 24 years old, and I had been assigned to um, sort of watch over him, watch over him. He was over 10, he was about 13 years older than me. He had you know, as, we, as we Chinese said, he had eaten more salt than I had eaten rice. Have you heard of this phrase? Yeah. If someone says that I've eaten more salt than you've eaten rice, I have a lot more experience than you. Yeah. And so I was totally intimidated by this person. You know, he was a high flyer and all that. But his business went bust. That was the time when there was a lot of optimism and then suddenly the, the market just, the bubble, some bubbles burst. And he come to the church and he had by that time become very cynical, very hard to console. And he would look at people like me and says, what do you know? You're not even married, you know? And he would, he would say that to me, to the face. And all I knew to do was to just love him. And I was tempted in all that to think love is such a soft and inconsequential action. But I did. And, uh, and I would pray for him. And every time I prayed for him, the Lord would give me some impression. So he would speak to me in our sessions together. He would, he got, he would just pour out all his sorrows and all his things in a very cynical way. And I was this size compared with his size. And I would just listen, scared to say anything. Then I would say, okay, at the end of it, let's pray. <laughs> then when we pray, then I would pray out everything that God gave to me because he, he couldn't answer me back. And I closed my eyes so that I didn't see his reaction. <laughs> you know what? About three weeks, three weeks ago, I got an email from him. 
Do you remember I am this, 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 this. I used to drive this, 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 this. You could still remember what he drove. And, and he says, do you remember I was with you in uh, VBC when you were, when you were uh, uh, a trainee? And I said, yeah. And, 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 and he said, I'm now in Japan. And then he talked about how his business was doing. He talked about how he went into the wilderness and how God brought him back and how he had become more grounded in him now and how God was real. And then he said something, you know, he says, I always thought when I met you that you had something. At 23, I could not have felt help that feeling that I had nothing. Except that I just sold in. And now so many years later, more than 30 30 years later, he comes and he says, I, I needed to get you, to get in touch with you. I've been listening to your sermons. Praise God. At least now I can talk to him. In the past, I could not even talk to him. I could only pray for him. Sowing, sowing. Cast the seed to the ground. Let us pray. Praise your name, Lord. Just open your hand before the Lord and surrender and surrender to Him. And say, Lord, take my silver, take my gold, nor the might will I withhold. Take my days, take my hours, take my time, take my love, take my heart, take my all. The Lord's been speaking, speaking to us even during worship along the similar lines, the same lines, the same God speaking. Give yourself some moments just to do business with God, so to speak. He's preparing you and me. And the casting is the moment of truth. The moment of testing. For some of us, it involves an unconditional forgiveness. For some of us, it is sowing in love unto God in hope to people in our land. For some of us, It's a financial thing. For some of us, it's a learning thing. Go ahead and talk to God right now. Bless your name. We bless you. We say it all belongs to you, Lord. I just feel that the Lord wants us to know that the wedding covenant is activated, is active right now. And whatever we surrender, our lack of control to God. God's control gets to take over. We give it to him. And his love is pouring in. His love is pouring in. So that Amen. everything, whether yes, it's 
our child, whether it's a business, whether it's what we're doing in the church, whether it's a relationship, is love gets a chance to show us something new because it's about us knowing him. It's about him taking us to higher places. And so there is someone here, and this is about love, that God is speaking. You may be very young. God's speaking to you about a business right now. Mm. God's saying, it's about my love, not about Mm. you just being this big businessman driving a nice car. It's about my love. So let me just show you as you pray over what this business is, because it's going to be a lot of seeds, a lot of seeds coming through you that I can use, not you, but me, as you surrender even the business as I give it to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this, that you have unfolded us in such a complete, comprehensive and absolute way to such an extent that every part of our life secular and uh, sacred is yours. Thank you, Lord. Our bodies are yours. Our minds are yours. Our resources are yours. Everything is yours, Lord. And so we give ourselves to you. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name. And we give it to you right now, Lord. We bless you as you come upon us We thank you that even now, as we cast our lives before you, you will sustain us and cause our our feet not to be shaken or moved. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. If you'd like prayer, feel free to come come forward for prayer. Um, The service is now over. Please get your children if you've not already gotten them. Thank you.